Hello, hello. Thanks for being here with me today. You know, I know a lot of people don't really want to get into it when it comes to talking about the past, but you should know that it's crucial to understand the big stuff, like the hard stuff. This episode is a conversation about what it means to grow up in a household where one or both of your parents or primary caregivers struggled with alcohol abuse. My goal today is to educate you, to validate your experience, and to normalize this aspect of your childhood for you. Because we actually know these kinds of family dynamics get hidden. We don't talk about this stuff. So my intention today is to help you understand the impact of growing up with alcohol abuse. Because if you can understand your own experience a little better in this regard, it might really help. Stick with me. Thanks for listening to Takeout Therapy, a podcast for people who are trying to be their best selves, but maybe need a little more information about it all. I'm Rebecca Hunter, a therapist and anxiety specialist, doling out the information, latest research, and of course, a little advice here and there. If you've got less than 20 minutes and a good sense of humor, you will find this discussion helpful. This isn't therapy, it's self-help at its finest. Let's get to work. Hello, hello. I'm so glad you joined me today. We're going to have a little bit more serious of a conversation because here's the deal. Sometimes we have a tendency to brush off the past. No one wants to talk about it, but then we might inadvertently make light of things in the past that really matter. And from what I've seen in my work with anxious people, alcoholism is one of those things people don't really understand the impact of, which leads us to stall out in our personal development because we don't get it. We don't understand. So I'll just start out by being straight up with you about this. I am a child of alcohol. Both of my parents struggled with alcohol and sobriety throughout my childhood. So I've got an inside scoop here (laughs) and a good sense of humor. And the personal growth work that I've done in this area has been life-changing. Just understanding my own experience has been really valuable to me in my healing process. But I'll tell you, it's not easy. So this episode might be a hard one to digest. Always take good care of yourself when you're engaged in personal growth work, buddy. (laughs) A couple of disclaimers. Throughout the episode, I'm going to refer to alcohol abuse in a lot of different ways, a lot of different words from alcohol use to alcoholism and everything in between. So you can decide what resonates, but I'm trying for inclusive, just so you know. I'm not going to get all technical with what the levels and degrees of alcohol use and abuse are in this episode or what I think of the different recovery models. I'm not going there. And I'm also not going to be talking about the dynamics involved in parental alcohol abuse no like real specifics there. I'm going to simply give you some things to think about in terms of the personal impact, knowing that if you're the child of a drinker, it may helpfully resonate with you and maybe even validate you. You know what you went through and you probably know where the patterns exist. So I'll tell you a little bit of my own story as we go along. My parents were, I'm from the American classic divorced family. My parents were divorced when I was about six months old, so no family dinners for this kid. 
I had a very chaotic upbringing, to say the least. My parents moved around a ton. Both of them did. So I went to a lot of different schools and lived in a lot of different homes. You see, that's, I think, the most impactful thing about growing up with alcohol abuse, whatever it looks like for every individual situation. It's chaotic. When we're children, we need stability and discipline and boundaries. Alcohol abuse tends to erase the potential for that kind of stability. Am I right? When we grow up in this unpredictable environment, even if it's like the same environment all the time, but it's unpredictable, the brain and body actually grow to adapt to that lack of emotional or physical stability. And so while we can marvel at the brain and body's ability to adapt, we also need to understand that it's not a good start for our little bodies and minds. A kid who doesn't know what's going to happen next with the adults in their life learns to be vigilant sometimes, maybe even overly vigilant or overly tuned out. We can go the other way as well, right? But what we know is they learn to watch the adults around them as if their life depends on it. They learn to anticipate what might happen next. And all of that is really stressful and elevating for the nervous system. It's really dysregulating for the body. And it's very confusing for the brain. So let's dig into this a little bit and talk about some of the really common dynamics at play when we grow up with alcohol abusers in terms of the impact on children. And then we can get into starting to heal from it all, shall we? <laughs> I think the first thing I want to say here is that your parents and my parents, they're just people. They're human beings with their own stories, much of it unknown to us, so much of it unknown to us, right? We can spend a lot of time and energy being pissed at them for their errors and their poor behavior, or we can just heal. We can do our work. We can exercise some compassion, have empowerment in our relationship with them, whatever that means for each one of us, right? And we can focus on our own healing. And I know that is way easier said than done, but it's helpful not to spend a huge amount of energy wishing the past was different, you know? Personal growth is really about you. It's about having awareness of your own wounds and being willing to deal with that, to heal, heal those wounds and hopefully grow. So like, let's get on with that part, right? So remember, really importantly, that being human is about patterns. What we were used to as kids often becomes familiar in adulthood. So while you're listening, you always want to look for pattern. My main goal for this conversation today is just to help you understand how you might have been impacted by the behavior of your caregivers <laughs> so you can start to heal. I think one of the most interesting things that people need to understand about being the kid of an alcoholic is that there's a lot of unmet needs, both em emotional and physical, depending on the situation, right? But what we know for sure is that kids deeply need to feel safe emotionally and physically in order to grow properly, emotionally and physically. In the beginning, a lot of that need gets met through the attention and support of adults, right? So here we go. If you had an adult who's preoccupied, inconsistent, unreliable, or really emotionally needy due to alcohol use or whatever, 
it's going to be hard to get that emotional need met as a child. So just that trust that you're going to be taken care of, whether it's just paid attention to, presence, or smaller stuff like being fed, clothed, taken to school, picked up from school, you know, the things that kids need. If those things can't be relied on, it's really, really hard for kids to make sense of it. And the impact as your adult self that you can look for is the way in which you feel in relationships. Adult children of alcoholics often end up with people in their lives who are not entirely available, usually emotionally, but sometimes in other ways as well. Or we pick people who really need us in dysfunctional ways, sometimes abusive and demanding ways. There are just patterns in relationships to be aware of in our lives that can help us understand ourselves better. Okay, so another thing to consider is this. As kids in these environments, we begin to take on different roles. Some kids become caretakers, right? They get, they just like get, jump in and get things done. They learn to cook and clean. They learn to take care of the adults and the children around them. They learn to make people happy, right? And so this role can morph in adulthood. We can become people pleasers, approval seekers, and we can be people that take ourselves really really seriously, you know? Like when you grow up in an environment that depends on you to be overly functional, that sticks with you, friend. So we tend to quote unquote perform in relationships. We feel like we need to work really hard to get the love we need. And so we get into these relationship dynamics where things aren't really equitable whether it's friendships where you do all the supporting and none of the, you know, receiving, or you hustle to no end at work trying to do a good job, the reality is you're an adult. So while these things might be kickbacks from growing up in a house with alcohol, now you can create your own safety, emotional and physical. You can decide to stop over-functioning for others. Like we did that as kids because maybe we had to, right? So now you can decide what level of equality you'd like to have in your work life and your relationships from this point forward and start working towards that. Another really important thing to understand about growing up in alcoholic homes is the emotional component. <laughs> I'll dig in a little deeper on this one. When the adults in your life are topsy-turvy, when they're disengaged and sometimes even emotionally needy, there's not a ton of room for the expression of the needs of the kids. It's not exactly an emotionally aware environment, right? And you might've found it easier or more stable to just not express your feelings. I hear this a lot from people. So what does this mean? Well, my friend, it means that you might have a lot of feelings that you never express or talk about because you just didn't learn to do that. No one taught you or showed you. Actually, a lot of kids that grew up in alcoholic homes find deeper feelings to be very overwhelming, which I have totally experienced. I had to learn to go there. 
Not growing up with healthy emotional expression means you might not always know how you feel about things. Like you might not be getting your needs met or sometimes feel like you don't even know yourself. You might feel like people kind of suck and there's not a damn thing you can do about it, right? There's all these different elements to this thing. But, but here's the truth, right? So even if you grew up in a house where you didn't learn to express yourself emotionally, you can learn now. So if you grew up in a house where you learned to be really critical of yourself or shame yourself for your mistakes or lack of ability to help the situation you were in as a kid, right? It's okay. Because like now you can learn to live a different kind of life. You can figure out what the patterns are, right? And be, and understand them a little bit better, which is a much better place to do some work from. So if you see a pattern, for example, of making everyone else happy before yourself, that can totally be shifted. You're going to need to become aware of the impacts of how you grew up and take ownership of how you'd like to life look sorry, take ownership of how you'd like your life to be instead, right? And you'll need to be nice to yourself too. Because like, it hasn't been easy. And you deserve compassion and empathy for going through what you've been through. It was really hard growing up in my childhood. I'll be honest with you. And the interesting thing is that I had two parents, both self-identified as alcoholics, one who drank heavily despite attempts at recovery, and one who was in the AA framework of recovery. Very different, yet both really impactful. The child of an alcoholic, right? There were other alcoholics around as well in my life. Yes, this does run in families. <laughs> All my caretakers had different levels of severity or were involved in the stages of recovery. So being a kid in my life was stressful at best. It was confusing, but I've worked really hard to heal. I've done a ton of therapy. I've done a lot of stuff. Someone asked me the other day what the most impactful part of my healing journey was. What a great question. Okay, so I have to say, I think it was the realization that my relationship with myself was at the root of everything. When I really started to dig into mindfulness and self-compassion, it was a game changer. And here's the deal. Living in homes where the adults aren't able to take care of us or be attentive and present, whether it be alcohol abuse or other stuff, right? It's impactful. It makes it hard for us to love ourselves. That probably was not an idea that was nurtured or taught. It was not in my household. People who abuse alcohol are generally not at the top of their game in terms of their relationship with themselves. Did you hear that episode on numbing? <laughs> it's important that we be self-aware. Mindfulness applies right here. And brave to see ourselves and say the hard things. Okay? I can honestly tell you that the times I have used too much alcohol in my own life, I was grappling with stuff. There was a tussle of some sort. Maybe it was vulnerability, perhaps my self-esteem, all the things. We just have to be human. If you do that, you're good to go. If you don't feel emotionally capable, get some help, my friend. Whatever that looks like. That's why I focus on those things in my work. 
My online program, Back to Calm, is a mindfulness, self-compassion program that solves the problem of anxiety. Because I was an anxious kid because of alcoholism and chaos, right? Yes. If you're looking for a solution to your stress, overwhelm, and anxiety outside of the therapy office, I created Back to Calm for you. (laughs) This program can help you get out of overwhelm and uncertainty and teach you how to take matters into your own hands. And I think it's interesting because people think that anxiety is a permanent condition when most of the time it's solvable. Medication doesn't solve anxiety. It's a band-aid for feeling like shit all the time. And I get it because I've been there. But if we know that at the root of things is your own ability to heal, would that be helpful? My program teaches people how to heal anxiety for good by using brain science, mindfulness, and completely changing that very important relationship, the one we have with ourselves. This podcast and Back to Calm are both my way of helping us become whole. So yes, be willing to look at the past and learn a few things about the reality of being the child of an alcoholic. This is really important. But then move forward. Move forward right the heck into your own life. The one you're creating right this very second. I'll be here with you doing the work. So I'm dropping a kid off at college next week. Holy cow, people. Life changes at lightning speed. I'm done raising my kids. I don't know how this whole drop-off thing is going to go. I might have to be forcibly removed. (laughs) Just kidding. Mostly because I love where he's going to school. It's amazing and beautiful. But also, my baby's going to be a thousand miles away. Like, how am I going to monitor his safety from so far away? Stay tuned. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered. Thanks for listening. Okay, I hope you found today's episode helpful. Here's the deal. I'd like to get rid of some of the stigma around mental health, and this is how I'm doing it. You can join me by leaving a review, sending an episode along to a struggling friend, or even subscribing. Any of those choices would be so exciting, my friend, because then you and I, we would be helping more people. Let's do that. If you want to work with me, visit me at RebeccaHunterMSW.com and you can see all the fun things I'm up to. Don't forget, I'm an anxiety specialist. So if that's your jam, it's my jam too. Way to show up today.